Our Old Covenant reading this evening is from Psalm 138. Psalm 138, we will read the entire psalm together. This is the word of our God. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Here ends our Old Covenant reading. Our New Covenant reading is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 3 through 11 this evening. This is the word of the Lord. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Turn with me, if you would, back to Psalm 138, as that will be the primary portion of God's word for this evening's sermon. Giving thanks to the Lord produces confidence in the Lord. Giving thanks to the Lord produces confidence in the Lord. Let me just let me give you just one example of this. Um, you know, our Lord taught us to pray. We say this every week together. Our Lord taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And and each day we pray together as individuals or families. We pray over our meals and we thank God for the food that he provides for us day in and day out for giving us our daily bread. It, I think it's really easy, actually, to take those little prayers for granted. You know, we do them so often, right? It's very easy to sort of just be like, all right, you know, we pray for the food. All right, you know, that was good. But actually, those little prayers of thanksgiving are really important to the Christian life. See, we ask God for our daily bread. He provides our daily bread. And then we give him thanks for our daily bread. 
And as we give thanks, we're acknowledging that God has heard and answered our prayers. Our thanksgiving teaches us about the character and the nature of God. He answers the prayers of his people. And when we grasp that reality that God answers and hears our prayers from the smallest prayer to the biggest prayer, what happens to us? What happens when we we understand the reality that our God is a God who answers prayer? Our faith in God is strengthened and our confidence in him grows. He has answered our prayers in the past, hasn't he? He answers our prayers each and every day. Here's the thing, right? Maybe you are going through a period of time where you have unanswered prayer. You have prayed long and hard, and it's been years. And those prayers have not yet been answered. And you begin to wonder, where is God in my life? Where is he in my unanswered prayer? Child of God, think back to this. God has answered your prayer every day. You asked him for your daily bread. He provided your daily bread. Our God answers prayers, and he will do it again and again and again for our good and for his glory. Psalm 138 here is a psalm of thanksgiving. David is giving thanks to God for his love, for his faithfulness, for his deliverance. He has experienced God's goodness to him in the past, and he doesn't take that goodness for granted. He gives thanks. God deserves our thanks and our praise for his grace and his goodness to us. Right? I mean, we know that. God deserves to be praised. Our thanksgiving glorifies him. But it also does something to us. Actually, we see that with David here. His giving thanks to God, yes, it is what God rightfully deserves, but in the process, something happens to David. Our thanksgiving to God gives us confidence by helping us to see that the God who has been with us in the past is the God who is with us now, is the God who who will be with us in the days to come. And that's exactly what happens to David here in this psalm. Having experienced the goodness of God in his life, David gives thanks and his thanksgiving produces confidence. I want us to look together at this psalm under three headings. First, Give thanks for God's faithful deliverance. Second, give thanks for his gracious condescension. And third, give thanks for his abiding purposes. Give thanks for God's faithful deliverance, for his gracious condescension, and for his abiding purposes. And as we do that, as we look together at this way of giving thanks, we're actually going to see that the first two aspects of thanksgiving naturally lead to the last. By giving thanks for what God has done for us, we will grow in confidence knowing that he will do us good. So let's look at these three points together. First, give thanks to God for his faithful deliverance. Give thanks for his faithful deliverance. Look with me here at verses 1 through 3. David says this, I give thanks, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and for your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. Now David starts this prayer and it is directed 
It is addressed directly to the Lord, to Yahweh himself, the maker of heaven and earth, the only true and living God. Here's the thing. When we read Psalms, it's really easy to pass over this part. You know, we go, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's God. David's praying to God. Don't take that for granted, though. We have access before the very throne of the living God. David understood this. Christ had not yet come, as David is writing this psalm. David had not seen what we see now. Yet he knew that God had opened the way into his presence by grace. He looked forward to the one who was to come, who would be God with us. And by faith in those promises of God, David boldly enters before the presence of God. How much more boldly ought we to come before the living God, knowing what we know that has been revealed in Jesus Christ? We have seen Jesus in the pages of Scripture. We have seen the promises of God as revealed in the Old Testament come to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest interceding for us before the Father's throne. We can enter the presence of God with boldness, knowing that he delights to hear our prayers and our thanksgiving. David gives thanks, gives thanks, and he gives thanks with his whole heart. That's a, a sincere heart. There's no hypocrisy here, right? He's not just going through the motions. His affections are not divided. He isn't trying to hold on to God with one hand and other forms of security with the other. You look at the the history of the nation of Israel, that's what they did, right? They tried to hold on to God and they tried to hold on to all the other gods of the land and they kind of like wanted to have it both ways. David's not trying to do that. He puts all his trust in God, and therefore he gives all his praise to God. There's this little line here in verse 1 where David says, Before the gods I sing your praise. Now, David, that that word, you know, little g, gods, it, it could be used a couple different ways throughout Scripture, but David could be referring here to angelic beings. You know, it could be he's giving praise before the hosts of heaven. Uh, Or it could be he's referring to the rulers of the earth. Uh, It could be both. It could be that David is saying, and I I sort of think the main point that David is driving at here is he's saying, I will confess to you, God, I will confess that you are God alone, and I will offer you my praise and my thanksgiving, and I'll do it before everyone. Before the rulers of the earth, before the hosts of heaven, I will offer you my praise. He's not afraid to worship God openly and publicly. He's not afraid of who is listening. He wants them to know, this is my God and this is what he has done for me. Notice that David bows down toward the temple. He worships as God has prescribed. He worships where God has made his presence to dwell. David David doesn't say, you know what, you've got your path to God, I've got my path. Let's just, let's take our own paths. No, that's not what David is saying. He understands there is only one way to approach the presence of God And that is through the way that God has revealed to us. Also, David gives the reason for his wholehearted worship and praise. Our God is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. That is, he is a covenant-keeping God who pours out his blessings on his people through his promises to us. What God has promised, he will surely do. And David understands that. 
Our God is a God who is highly exalted above all things. There is none like him in glory, and there is none like him in his dealings with his people. See, David understands God's character and revelation of himself, but not merely in the abstract. David has experienced for himself the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. He's experienced this in tangible ways in his life. Look at what he says again here in verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. You know the life of David. You know this is exactly the way that David's life went. He faced trouble. He cried to the Lord. The Lord was with him. And it happened again and again. And David knew this. God never left David. He was always with him, delivering him in times of trouble and strengthening him to endure the times of trouble. So David gives thanks to the Lord. He does it with an undivided heart. He does it publicly and openly, entering God's presence as God has prescribed. He gives thanks for God's character and nature as a covenant-keeping God. And because this God has answered his prayers in the past and has delivered him, David says, I will praise you. Child of God. David's God is your God. The God who delivered David in times of trouble, the God who strengthened him when he cried for help, this God is with you. Your troubles and your requests cannot surprise him or baffle him. It's not like you come and bring your prayers to God and God says, oh, that's a new one. Not sure what to do about that. I'm, I'm really sorry. You know, like sometimes we do that as friends, right? A friend brings a problem to you and you're like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. God isn't like that. He knows our troubles. He's never surprised. He is never caught off guard. He is able and willing to be with you and to help you in every circumstance of life. Take some time this week. Reflect on what God has been doing in your life. Think back on the ways that he has delivered you in times of trouble, the ways that he has strengthened you, the ways that he has been with you. Write it down if you have to. And it's important to realize this isn't only about deliverance. Sometimes God does deliver us from trouble. Sometimes he doesn't, at least not right away. But he is always with us. And he always strengthens us so that we are able to go through that time of trouble. Meditate on all the ways that God has been with you. You know, I was discouraged and the Lord brought a friend to encourage me in the time of need. I was sad and the Lord spoke to me through a verse of scripture. Told me again of his promises, of his faithfulness. God has been faithful to you. This God who is exalted far above all things has stooped to hear your cries, to answer you in time of need. He has sworn by himself to be your God, and he has kept his promise. God didn't send his son to die for you, only to abandon you in time of trouble. He has brought you into his presence in Jesus Christ, and nothing can ever, ever pluck you out of his hand. Give thanks to him for his faithful deliverance. Second, give thanks to God 
for his gracious condescension. Give thanks for his gracious condescension. Look here at verses 4 through 6. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Now, what's happening here in these verses is that David is desiring that the nations would hear of the glory of the Lord and give thanks to him. You know, this actually happened in the history of Israel, even to nations and kings that did not believe in the Lord. Um, You know, think of Nebuchadnezzar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They go into the fiery furnace, the Lord brings them out, and Nebuchadnezzar's like, yeah, this this God is a real God, and he gives praise to, to the Lord. But he's not a believer just yet. You know, God actually does that to Nebuchadnezzar later in his life, but at that time, he doesn't turn to the Lord, but he does praise the Lord. Uh, think also of uh, Darius with Daniel in the lion's den, right? God delivered Daniel. Darius gives the Lord praise, but he's not necessarily converted to true faith in God. So there were nations that saw the glory of the Lord, that experienced what the Lord had done for Israel, but didn't necessarily turn to the Lord in faith. But I think that David has something more in mind here than just that. He desires that the knowledge of the Lord would spread to all the earth, that all the nations would worship the Lord in truth, and he looks forward to that day. And this theme runs throughout the Psalms and the prophets. It was God's plan from the very beginning, wasn't it? When he revealed himself to Abraham, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This was God's covenant plan. What David looked forward to, what God had promised, has begun in Jesus Christ and will one day reach its fullness when Christ returns. And we are those nations. We are the nations who have been brought into the people of God in Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve grace, but God condescended to show us grace. And it is for for this grace that we are called to give thanks to God. The Lord is exalted far above all things. His glory is beyond all comprehension. We try to grasp with our minds the glory of the Lord, and we can't do it. Yet he draws near to all those who seek him. The incomparable greatness of the Lord doesn't stop him from listening to the humble and the needy who seek him. His greatness doesn't mean that he's far from us. Think about what that means for us today. See, in the Old Covenant, the Lord had called Israel to himself. He didn't call the nations to himself. However, that didn't mean that Israel just got a free pass, right? Nor did it mean that the nations could not come to saving faith. The vast majority of Israel, having seen the glory of the Lord, died in unbelief. They rejected the promises of God, and there were Gentiles who were brought in. Rahab and Ruth, think of those examples. You know, they're in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, which we looked at um, last week. They were Gentiles, and they were brought into God's covenant people. And so even in the old covenant, what David is saying about the nations being brought in, even that was beginning to happen. Because the Lord regards all who draw near to him in faith. It wasn't just those who were the physical children of Abraham. It was those who were the children of Abraham by faith. 
that if they believed what Abraham believed, that God would send a Messiah, that they too would become children of God, and God promised that he would draw near to them. Israel didn't deserve God's grace. The nations didn't deserve God's grace, but he showed it anyway. The Lord graciously condescends to answer all who call on him in faith. And child of God, if you have cried out to God in faith, he has answered you. He has drawn near to you in Jesus Christ. He is not far away from you. He has sworn by himself that he would do this, and he will not go back on his promises. I think we all know that there are times in our lives when it seems that God is far away. We all experience that. But those are the times when we need to see with the eyes of faith. See what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Go back when you're feeling that and read the Gospels. Read about the person of Jesus, God with us. Come to his people. Come to you. See the great redemption that Christ has worked for you. You are no longer strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. God has sent his spirit into your heart so that God himself dwells in you and has made his home with you. Christian, God has made known his grace to you. Because of his great grace, you have reason to give thanks to him. You know, my very strong guess is that each and every one of us here this evening has numerous reasons to give thanks to God. If we sit down and start listing all the things we can be thankful for, we're not going to find just one or two. We're going to find a lot of reasons to thank God. But even if everything else in your life was going wrong, even if it seemed that you had nothing else to give thanks for, this reality would still be true. God has graciously condescended to draw near to you. You will never lack a reason to give thanks to this great and glorious and gracious God because he has come to you in Jesus Christ. As you give thanks for God's faithful deliverance in the past, and as you give thanks for his gracious condescension to you in Jesus Christ, as you do this, something happens to you. Your confidence in God grows. Give thanks to God for his abiding purposes. Give thanks to God for his abiding purposes. Look with me here at verses 7 and 8. David says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. David says here uh, in verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, I think really what he's saying is, even if I walk in the midst of trouble. Right? David is is giving thanks. He may not be in a time of trouble at this point in his life. Maybe he is, but maybe not. Um, But he's thinking about any time in his life, any times in the future that may come when he faces trouble. He says, even if that is to happen, no matter what happens to me, I know that you will be with me. David's not naive. 
He knows that life is not trouble-free. We know that life is not trouble-free. Yet God is with us. Because of God's faithful deliverance in the past, because God has graciously come to those who cry out to him and who believe in him by faith, David is confident that God will be with him in the future. Thanksgiving for God's deliverance and grace leads us to confidence in our God. We don't know what the future holds, right? No one can predict the future. I mean, we do our best, we give it our best guess, but really, I mean, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We all know people that wake up one day and and suddenly realize that they're suffering from cancer, right? I mean, we all know people like that. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And sometimes that makes us a little bit fearful or anxious. Well, and we run through this, you know, you go to bed at night and you run through the scenarios. What if this happens? What if that happens? What am I going to do? Sure, we can't be certain about the future, but we can be certain about one thing. Now and in the future. Whatever happens to us, whatever that may be, all those things, all those bad things could come true. But whatever happens, one thing is certain. God is with us. Working not just some things, but all things for our good. See, thanksgiving keeps God's character and God's works in the forefront of our minds. It holds them before us. When we give thanks, we are calling to remembrance those things that God has done for us. And the more we are reminded, this God is for me. This God is with me. The more our confidence in him will grow. The more we are assured he will do me good. He must do me good. Because he has promised it. The Christian life is not about having everything go smoothly. It is about living in fellowship and communion with the living God. It is about casting all our burdens and cares on him, confident that he will do what is best for our good and for his glory. Sure, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to go the way that we want or the way that we expect. But we are resting in the hands of a God who loves us with an everlasting love. Remember what God says, can a mother forget her nursing child? It's a ridiculous question, right? But you know what? It could happen. But God says, you know, that seems impossible. But it's even more impossible that I would ever forget you. He has engraved us on the palms of his hands. We can't be taken away. We are always before him. He will never forget us. John Calvin says this. He says, this is faith's true office. To see life in the midst of death and to trust the mercy of God. Not as that which will procure us universal exemption from evil, but as that which will quicken us in the midst of death every moment of our lives. For God humbles his children under various trials that his defense of them may be more remarkable and that he may show himself to be their deliverer as well as their preserver. God has a purpose for you in all that he does. He has a work that he is doing in your life. 
It's not always going to be easy, and we may not always understand it, but God is using your trials to conform you more and more into the image of his Son, to make you more and more like himself. Instead of letting your thoughts be consumed with your trials, let your thoughts be turned toward the good work that God is doing in your life each day. And the way you turn your thoughts toward this aspect of God is through thanksgiving. God will complete the good work that he has begun in us. He has a purpose for us as people, and he will fulfill that purpose. And this is true of the church as a whole, right? But this is also true of us as individuals. The steadfast love of the Lord is never removed from his people. And David prays that God would not forsake him. And he knows that God will answer this prayer because God has formed us and redeemed us. Do not forsake the work of your hands. We are the work of his hands and he will not forsake us. Because we are his purchased possession, he will not abandon us. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.